Jesus' final command to his followers was to go and make disciples of all nations. Our Compassion family is committed to making a difference here and now, in our neighborhoods, our communities, and our world. When you give Beyond Your Tithe to Compassion Outreach, you fuel ministries across the street and around the globe, many of which were launched by Compassion Christians just like you, who were compelled to make a difference in the lives of our neighbors. Whether it's caring for the orphan by supporting foster and adoptive parents, providing meals to food insecure children in our local schools, or serving our refugee community by teaching English and providing vital social support, we are working to transform our communities with the love of Jesus. And all over the world, our global partners are bringing the hope of Christ to people who have never heard the gospel, as well as providing vital resources like education, clean water, medical care, and so much more. We are a part of the global body of Christ, and we are doing our part to see His kingdom come here on earth, just as we will one day experience it together in heaven. You matter. None of this is possible without your prayers, generosity, and willingness to go whether it's next door or across an ocean. When you make your faith promise, your financial commitments create our outreach budget, allowing us to sustain these incredible ministries for the coming year. In faith, we trust that God will provide. And we make a promise to bring what we have and ask Jesus to multiply it. For the lost. For the hurting. For the marginalized. And for His glory. We are choosing compassion. Because together, we can do so much more to make a difference here and now. Awesome. Hey, hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome. Welcome to Compassion. I am so excited to get a chance to share with you what God's placed in my heart. And uh, if you don't mind being a part of this for the next six hours, we'll be fine, okay? Um, no, really, I've got uh, so many things I'd like to be able to share, but I'm just really honored to be here and be a part of this and what's going on right now. Um, first, I guess I just want to make sure that I say welcome to everyone. You know, whether you're in person at one of our campuses or you're joining us through Compassion Online, we're just really glad you're here. We love you. We've been praying that you'd be a part of this and uh, looking forward to just celebrating this thing as we go through it together. You know, let's start here. I want to start with a, a base, the basics a little bit. Um, everyone matters to God. Amen. Everyone matters to God. And because of that, and we're in this time right now of faith promise, what we call faith promise celebration, celebrating what has happened and what we anticipate to happen in the future. We want to just make it really, really clear that we're going to be talking a lot about what happens outside the walls. Okay. So this is for the church family in a lot of ways. But, you know, if you're a guest here with us today, then I just want to say you're about to see a church family do something with joy and with generosity because we all know that someone once did it for us. So I guess I don't probably have to explain to anybody that 2020 has been kind of a crazy, unpredictable, and maybe just plain unique year. Probably the most unique year I can remember. Um, I saw these two signs of the times recently. Maybe you've seen these, but I thought they were kind of interesting. <laughs> First from a mom who's experiencing virtual uh, at-home school right now for the first time. She's got a message for her kids' teachers, okay? 
No, my kids are not a joy. They're not the angels that I thought they were before, okay? And this one I can really connect with at this stage of life. I'm like, yes, I can't wait to never use Zoom again, okay? That's, that's kind of a little bit like things are a little different these days. But you know, it's serious. It really is. 2020 has brought a lot of shared inconveniences for us all. But for many of us, there's been a lot of personal and, and painful challenges through it. A lot of emotion, even, even a lot of suffering for some. But beyond here at home, this pandemic has drastically affected the uh, underdeveloped countries of the world. You don't, you don't see these things on the news. You don't see the accurate counts. But it's really, it's really been... Uh, it's really been tough in a lot of the places usually where you might see information about what's happening. But because faith promise is all about caring for others, I want to kind of start by setting this by asking a, a pretty direct, maybe even a disturbing question of everyone here. The question is this, why should I care about people in other places? Why should we care? I mean, the truth is this COVID-19 pandemic has been so disruptive, it's, it's affected everyone across the globe. In many circles, there's been, you know, this real inclination or maybe this mindset of an attitude of, you know, we have to take care of our own first. It's not like the earthquakes or the, the hurricanes that happened recently in the Bahamas or in Puerto Rico where you see it and you look at the images and you go, this is terrible and we, we've got to do something about this. We've got to all pitch in. It doesn't always feel like that now. It's unfortunately, the attitude, because of the scope of this thing, has been more of forget the world. We've got our own problems right here. And COVID has changed the realities of most humans on earth. And I think if we're fair, we would say it's only natural. It's only natural to, to think about our family and our friends and even our country first. And again, <laughs> If 2020 is this crazy, then how unpredictable is 2021? Well, with all this going on, what I'd like to do now is go to God's word and let's share a time when you will see Jesus demonstrating his heart. It's a time when he taught all of us as his followers something very different from the attitudes that I just described. So if you've got your Bibles, look in your Bibles with me at Mark 6. Let's start about verse 30, okay? It's the, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. And just for setup, if this is new for you, then, you know, Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, but it also has the most detail about what Jesus did. I heard someone say, Mark is like Jesus with his sleeves rolled up. This idea that what we're going to see is Jesus constantly teaching and healing and helping those around him. But also in Mark, we'll see a lot of the patience of Jesus. There's this real theme there of he's trying to develop these core disciples, his 12 guys. He knows he's going to leave them with the church and they're going to be responsible for multiplying it. But he has to be patient with them as he's teaching them to be better at, at leading the church. So let me just set up what's happening here in Mark 6 and starting about, again, verse 30. So Jesus has sent his disciples out two by two. They've been sent out to, to preach repentance. And they've run into some amazing experiences and they've just been overwhelmed by what's happened. And they're coming back now and they want to tell Jesus all about it, what's happened. But before long, there's a huge crowd gathering around and listening to these stories and they want to be there. They're, they're curious to hear the stories and, and to be near this man who's so different. But at some point we see in the scripture there, it says that Jesus decides to take his inner circle of guys to a quiet place 
and get some rest. So let's pick it up exactly what it says in Scripture on, at verse 32 and 33. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Okay, hold up just a second here. So the people had seen Jesus performing all these miracles. They had witnessed teaching that was different than anything they'd ever seen before. And they're completely intrigued by this man. Okay. So now remembering that the plan that Jesus had was to go to a quiet place and rest for a while. Look at this powerful statement in verse 34. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now I imagine this, like the people got to the shoreline, the boat's coming in, everybody's jostling for position, people are trying to get down front. Maybe there's a few rude and demanding people in the crowd. But this is a moment when we see the heart of Jesus on display. He didn't get frustrated or angry or impatient. And I know I'm probably the only one here today, but I tend to struggle with those issues sometimes. But Jesus, he didn't see the crowd as a distraction to his plans. He saw them as his purpose. He looked at the people running to see him and he had a deep compassion on them. Now the question is why? And I believe that Jesus was able to look into the eyes of these people. He saw the human, he saw the person who was created in the image of God, not just this huge crowd. And he knew that he had what they needed. Now remember this, the first time that Jesus taught in Nazareth and in Luke, we see him reminding us about the prophecy of why he came in the first place, his purpose and mission. He said this, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. And he's not just talking about prisoners locked up behind physical bars or, or people who are physically blind. He's talking about all prisoners who are in spiritual bondage. That's what he came for. And this wasn't sympathy that we're talking about with Jesus. This is compassion. Compassion is something we feel it in our heart. It's in our gut. And then it comes up and it goes through to our brain. And then it comes out through our hands and our feet. When we say things like, I can't ignore this. I have to do something about what I see happening here. I have to be involved. You know, I saw one translation of the original scripture that I thought was maybe the most accurate English translation I've ever seen. It said this. Jesus saw them and his heart broke. And I thought about that and it reminded me of my time on my very first short-term mission trip. This was back in the uh, late 90s and I went to the country of Haiti. And you know, I was like most of us the first time. I, uh, I was pursuing success as the American culture defines it. Uh, I was actually doing pretty good. I had a great family. Things were going well, life was good. And then I went to Haiti. And I'll never forget going to an orphanage full of beautiful kids and walking inside to their dorm area and seeing the bunk beds and each bed had a little tiny basket about this big. And I was told that that's where the kids keep all their worldly belongings right there. And then I looked around and I saw the other things and I, I went out and I saw the restroom facilities and I remember standing there thinking, these kids are so much better off in this environment, a Christian orphanage, 
than they are if they were on the streets of this country. And for the first time in my life, it broke me. It just broke me. And you know, I would say without a doubt, it impacted my perspective of reality and it changed me. I was never the same again. And I would absolutely say for the better. But honestly, I don't really think we have a choice. Compassion does that to you. It moves you. It changes you. So the people we see in this story with, in Mark, with, they were so desperate for hope that they would run for miles and miles. They would do anything to hear and to be near Jesus. And he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And he knew what they needed. They needed a good shepherd. Now, this sheep thing was very culturally relevant, you know, for the time. Sheep get lost without direction. They will actually eat anything. One of the most vulnerable animals anywhere and not too smart. You know, I saw, I saw a story on uh, recently. I saw a story of this situation happened in the country of Turkey where there was this group of shepherds. They had a flock of about 1,500 sheep. They got distracted. They stopped to eat breakfast. And when they looked up, they realized they were horrified to see that one of the sheep had walked off the edge of a cliff and all the other sheep were following right behind. And they ran, they got there, they stopped it. But, but the story says that 450 sheep died. And it would have been a lot more, but a bunch fell off and they landed on the sheep that were already there and it cushioned their fall. Hey, true story now. I saw it on the internet, so I know it's true, okay? <laughs> but what about the danger of wolves? Okay, wolves prey on, sh on sheep. And people who take advantage of other people, well, they can be pretty sinister and evil. And we know that the ultimate wolf is Satan, right? Jesus said that he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So many people are deceived by Satan's lies. You know, uh, this family right here is the Keeley family, okay? This is Jason and his wife, Carrie, and their four beautiful kids. And they are missionaries of our church. They live in the country of Thailand in Southeast Asia. They've been there for seven or eight years now. Um, they told me a story a while back about getting a call from a local government official and he was asking them if they could take this little girl into their home temporarily. And she was about a two-year-old, but the idea, it was basically a fostering situation. She had to be taken out of her home. Um, now the story was that the little girl's mother had given her to the grandmother and left, which unfortunately is not that uncommon of a story in our world today. You know, there's a lot of people who either shouldn't be parents or they're in a situation where they just can't take care of the kids at the time. And so again, that's, that's not that uncommon. But what struck me about this story was the fact that the reason the government official was calling the Keeleys and saying, well, you take this little girl is because the grandmother had tried to sell her for a bag of rice. And I remember thinking in that moment, I just, I was stunned, and honestly, as an outreach pastor, I see a lot of stuff, and I was stunned, and I've got a little granddaughter, and I, I kept thinking, how does a grandmother get to the place where she thinks that's the right thing to do? And the truth is, she was completely deceived, but, but at the same time, taking advantage of someone who couldn't speak for themselves. People acting as wolves, they have that same core issue as the lost sheep do. They need a shepherd every bit as much as the sheep do. So I want you to ask yourself this. What does it look like to be a sheep without a shepherd in the year 2020? 
What's that look like? Because when we think of people who follow their own selfish desires or people who take advantage of other people, you know, whether it's alcoholism and drugs or human trafficking or racism or poverty or abuse, children living without families, what about all the people today who will do just about anything for their 15 minutes of fame on the internet? Or maybe it's just the complete deterioration of civility in our culture today. It seems like in so many environments, it's almost impossible to have a meaningful conversation if you disagree. Whatever it is, it's not difficult in 2020 to locate people who are living as sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus told us in John 10, I am the good shepherd. He said, the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. So think about this thought for just a moment. Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat people like people treat people? And just thinking about that and reflecting on that gratitude should make us compassionate for others. You know, my family and I came to this church actually 23 years ago. And uh, I was thinking, when I came to this sheep, I mean, when I came to this church, I was a lost sheep. There was no doubt about that, okay? I might have even been a wolf, okay? I love this church. I have seen so many things here. I have learned and grown so much under the teaching of God's word in this church. I've watched so many people enter into life-changing relationships with Jesus at this church. But I also love this church because in the midst of everything miraculous that's happening here, we care about people like Olivia. Olivia is a woman that I met in the remote African town of Kumdi in central Ghana, way back in the bush of Western Africa. She heard about Jesus, she gave her life to him, and now she's a trained midwife. And she's the only medical person for 100 miles in that area. She was so proud to tell us that in 13 years, she had delivered 7,000 babies. Now, here's the amazing part. Tree roots had broken the pipes in the well. They didn't have running water, and they didn't have any electricity. Well, your faith promise gifts provided a new well for Kumdi and also provided solar panels, which provides electricity to this day. And now when she delivers babies in the middle of the night, it's not by candlelight. Praise God for that. I love this church because we care about people like Oleg Shatalov. Okay, Oleg, right here in the front, was the lead singer for a heavy metal grunge band not too long ago, okay? I love that look, and I'm going to get him for that one, but that picture. But today, Oleg is the senior pastor of Island Christian Church in Ukraine and one of our key ministry partners there. We also care about multiple local ministries that are started by folks from this church with a heart of compassion. And now they are all 501c3 nonprofit organizations who are addressing the needs of the most vulnerable people in the areas where we all live and worship, right here in our communities. And we also care about the 120 compassion people who have been sent out as cross-cultural missionaries to the world. And one thing all these folks have in common, at one time, they were all sheep without a shepherd in desperate need of a savior, just like you and me. So back to the story of Mark 6, when, we, when we're reading this and you're just gonna see this amazing miracle of Jesus, 
But the context again is that it's getting late in the day. Jesus has been teaching them many things. And the group sees there's a practical need in the crowd now. The thousands of people are going to need to eat. But the disciples' solution in the moment was to get rid of the need by getting rid of the needy. Send them away. Tell them to go find something to eat. It seemed perfectly reasonable. In fact, in our world today, not my problem is a pretty common solution. But Jesus replied in this really unexpected way. He said, you give them something to eat. Now, I can almost see the disciples scanning these thousands of people, realizing how much it was going to cost or what it was going to require them to do this. And they look back at Jesus and they say something like, uh, you want us to do what? And Jesus, again, patiently, calmly tells them, how much bread do we have? Go and see. And so they go out and they go through the crowds and they come back with what they can find. And then look in verse 41, what happens? Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. You know, I think here's the lesson for all of us in this. The compassion of Jesus could not ignore their need to eat, but he chose to do it through the disciples. And I think he wanted all of his disciples, and that includes all of us, to know if you're faithfully in the game for him, he will provide. And church, I want you to know that God is performing these same miracles through Compassion Christian Church every day. You know, these are some pictures of uh, a Bible academy that's part of a strategic partner ministry that we have. I'm not going to name them, but uh, in northeast India. They train up and they send out disciples from this place. And those guys go out and they make other disciples and they plant churches in the countries of India and Bhutan and Nepal and Bangladesh. Well, your faith promise gifts purchased this property back in 2007. And the next year, Compassion helped build the classrooms. And we've been able to cover the operating expenses for the school every year since. Evangelists have been trained up here and, and sent in some of the most severely persecuted places on earth because they believe people need to hear about the Good Shepherd. Now, the first class was 12 students, and then the next year it was 20. And there was growth each year. There's been almost 500 graduates over the last 11 years. But then the problem, yes, praise God. Then COVID hit. It seemed to be this huge setback because the government was pretty strict there and they allowed no schools to be open during this time. But the leaders of our ministry partner decided that they had to go online with all classes starting in January of 2021. Now, that's not nearly as easy there as it might be here, but they determined to do it anyway. You want to guess what happened? Registration for the first semester is over 5,000 students right now and growing every day. Praise God for what he's doing. These are 5,000 young men and women who speak six different languages that are willing to go out as church planners and take the good news to one of the most spiritually dark places on earth. God wasn't surprised by any of this. 
In Isaiah 66, 19, it says this, God promised that he would send messengers to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the, the nations. And you know what? He's letting us be a part of it. So I just want to address this for a second, okay? You've had these cards. If you were here last week, we asked you to take them home, pray about them. I just hope that everyone who's listening now will consider their role in this, okay? And this is very important to me. I don't want this to be about money for everyone because that's not the issue, okay? In fact, I've said this many, many times. I would rather see a thousand people give a dollar towards our outreach efforts than one person give $2,000. Because it's not about the funds, it's about the heart. It's about being a part of what God's doing through this. Being a part of the amazing, um, long-term, vetted, trusted partnerships that we have with global partners around the world. And this is our opportunity to make that difference. And I gotta be honest, it's, a, it's an unpredictable time for all of us, right? You know, my personal journey for the last couple of years has been kind of crazy. Um, I honestly, like I thought 2019 was the worst year of my life and then 2020 came along. But in 2019, my wife started having a lot of health problems and it culminated in August when she had a stroke. Um, it changed a lot about everything that we do, the season of our life, a lot, lot changed changed my role as a caregiver. Um, and then in February of 2020, my 86-year-old mother was assaulted by a man and was thrown to the concrete, ended up with a brain bleed, had to have brain surgery, had a broken arm, nerve damage, which began four and a half months of really a rough, rough time that I'm sure a lot of other people's gone through. When you've got someone you love who's in a hospital and you can't be with them, you can't be beside them. I'll take a moment and just say, if you're a medical worker, praise God for you. You're unbelievable. Thank you for what you do. But after four and a half months, my mother went to be with Jesus. Hardest funeral I've ever done. A month later, I lost my closest cousin. And then two weeks after that, my younger brother passed away tragically and unexpectedly. I thought that was about as bad as it could get. And then my wife and I and our 30-year-old son decided to go away for a few days, and we went on a road trip. And the second day into it, he started getting real sick. It wasn't long before we realized he had COVID. Well, we came back to Savannah. We all three ended up getting it. Um, but I think that was probably the low point of my year. <clears throat> when I was at home alone, my wife was in one hospital, my son was in ICU in another on a ventilator, and I'm on my knees with 103 fever, pleading with God, don't take my son. Now, I, <clears throat> I tell you that story, because what I want you to hear is, I can't imagine going through that valley of the shadow of death, which we will all go through at some time or another, I couldn't imagine going through that without the guidance and the comfort and the grace of having my good shepherd there with me every step of the way. And I hope that helps us to think about other people who are in those situations where they're just in the despair of the moment with no hope for anything more. And I just stop right here and say, if you're listening to this and you've never made a personal decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if 
Maybe you've been your own shepherd for a while and you're realizing it's just not working that well. I just want to encourage you to to talk to one of us after the service. Engage with somebody here. Maybe it's just prayer, but engage with somebody. We'd love to talk to you about that. So as I wrap up, I want you to consider two truths that come out of this scripture, I think. First, what people in our world need more than anything is hope. They need a shepherd. People need to know that their current reality is not all there is. They need a solid hope for better things to come. And that hope only comes from accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as we share that hope, God will multiply the efforts. The miracle that we see in in Mark 6 of feeding the thousands is the most common miracle that God God still shows us every day today. His people step out in faith and then he multiplies the resources. And he's done that here at this church every year. At least I know since I've shown up. God is the one who provides the resources that are required. Okay, this right here is my dear friend Kajik Barczyk. Okay, Kajik is a pastor in Poland. His wife, Dorota, they're three beautiful daughters. And Kazik is an amazing guy. You know, he's actually been a missionary of our church for 35 years. And don't tell Cam I said this, but that actually makes him the senior pastor of Compassion, okay? (laughs) But Kazik has a heart that's a mile wide. And he loves seeing Jewish people in Poland and in Israel come to accept Jesus as their Messiah. For many years now, he's had this deeply emotional ministry of bringing Holocaust survivors from Israel. And they go to these beautiful retreat centers in the forests of Poland. And they will love on these older people and they will care for them. And many times they will open up emotional wounds that they've just stuffed for years and years and years. And they will accept Jesus and sometimes smile for the first time in years. It's an incredible thing to see if you ever get the chance. But what I want to do now is I want you to watch and listen, listen as Kazakh shares. Now, Kazakh doesn't speak English. You'll hear, hear a voiceover. But I, I want you to hear the heart of this man, who's our senior missionary, of how he has seen God multiply the blessings and what their relationship and the partnership with Compassion Christian Church means to him. Watch this. My name is Sergei Bakos. I'm 67 years old. My wife and I have three daughters and three sons-in-law, six grandchildren, and a seventh on the way. My father and grandfather were also in the ministry. And now my whole family is in the ministry. Okay. That's okay. We'll crank it back up. Get a chance to show that. Okay. Here we go. My name is Sergei I'm 67 years old. My wife and I have three daughters and three sons-in-law, six grandchildren, and a seven on the way. My father and grandfather were also in the ministry. And now my whole family is in the ministry. 
kiedy uwierzyłem w Boga. When I decided to follow Jesus, I prayed and said to the Lord, You know what's in my heart, and now I want to know what's in your heart. It's good to know what's in the heart of the Lord, what are his plans, his dreams, and his thoughts. I remember reading in Romans 10:1 that desire of Paul's heart was the salvation of the Jews. And that's how my ministry among the Jewish people began, to lead them to the Messiah, to Jesus. During my years in college, I had a friend who joined the Communist Party in Poland. He eventually held very important position. He saw me after some years and asked what I do. I said, I'm a pastor. He asked, where does your income come from? God provides through the faithful believers in Savannah, Georgia, in the US. He asked, how can you base your livelihood and your family's livelihood on that? And I said, what should I base my livelihood on? He said, a factory, mine, or any other company. Or even better, I should join the party. That's a foundation on which you can build your life. When I look back, the factories are all gone. The Communist Party doesn't exist here anymore. But the church in Savannah still does. The church which God used to provide for me. For the last 35 years, month after month, exactly on time, with no delay, I have received your support. We were able to raise three children, educate them, and today they are all in the ministry serving the Lord. I learned that if I trust God, and He has people like you, then I can go forward and serve Him. Thank you for your love and support for all these years. I could always depend on you. Sometimes we think that the money that we give, maybe it's not very much or it doesn't make a difference. It's like a drop of water. But in Book of Job, we read that God collects all those drops of water and puts them into the clouds. Then He sends the rain that blesses the earth. That rain that God sends to me and many other missionaries who serve Him. All because of people like you. God is using you. I'm so thankful and may the good Lord bless you. Man, I love that man. I have so much respect for him. I believe that God wants us to be bothered by things that aren't right. And, you know, he has placed you and me together here and now to make a difference. There's no doubt about that.
You know, in James 1.22, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And I would just say, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no safer place to be than taking a risk and trusting him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for um, the ministries that we see. You, you give us a glimpse of what you're doing, Lord, so often. We see it in the life of Kazakh and others. And I'm just thankful for this church. And so I pray, Lord, that in this time of unpredictability with what's going on and as we see that uh, the people who build their foundations on this world, it's just, um, it's not solid ground. And Lord, so we place our trust in you. I pray for everyone who's listening now that we could trust you a little more today than we did yesterday and each day going forward, that we could soak up your grace every day. And because of that, Lord, we would be moved to action for others. So Lord, guide us as we go here. Our commitment is to give you all the praise and glory for what you're gonna do in this environment. And just thank you for inviting us into the celebrations that we see, the victories that are happening in places where people today are alive. Lord, people are receiving medical care, people are receiving food. And but beyond that, Lord, that eternities have been changed. Thousands and thousands of eternities have been changed forever because of those who were sent and for those who do the sending. Lord, you have used us and allowed us to be a part of it. We, we thank you for that. So multiply those blessings, Lord. And bless us in these efforts, Father, too, we ask. These things in Jesus' name, amen.